Uh, God, we don't want to just go through some lame, empty church service. Uh, we want to be empowered and we want to connect with who you are. And so I just pray that you would strip away everything else and that you would speak to us and you would speak through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, man. <laughs> Can anybody relate to that? Hey, I don't know about you, but I know what it feels like to be left behind in life. You know what I mean? And I thank God for, for a savior who doesn't, uh, doesn't just pick the people and doesn't just reach the people uh, who have all the answers and who look nice, uh, but he reaches those of us who have been disconnected and, me and messed up and jacked up. And so, yeah, man, that's the whole story of Jesus. He leaves the 99 for the one. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the French Church. Good morning. A uh, couple things real quick. If you're giving, there's a joy box in the back. It's that little wooden box. If you believe in what we're doing and want to support what we're doing, we appreciate that. Uh, we don't want to make a big deal about offering, so I'm not going to preach you a little 10-minute sermon about that. Uh, if you believe in what we're doing, feel free to, to help us out. Also, there's flyers in the back. If you are connected with what we're doing here, please help us get the word out. It's just like uh, when someone buys music. They trust the opinion of their friend more than they do the advertisement, right? You know I mean, somebody tells you, man, you got to hear this record. You got to hear this guy. You got to hear this song, you know. Uh, you'll trust your friend's opinion more than you will some advertisement. So, yeah, feel free to. There's flyers in the back. I'm excited to get into this series. This is going to be a three-week series. And what we're doing is we're kind of combining uh, a couple musical artists and some of their music and some of their lyrics uh, with some scriptures. And I, I think it's going to be a powerful, uh, powerful thing. This week, we're talking about none other than the man in black, Johnny Cash. Uh, just legend, man, legend music-wise. Uh, there's so many things I love about Johnny Cash. I'm not going to get into his whole history and everything that he's done in his history. But uh, one of the things I love about Johnny Cash, he was, as far as I know, he was the first like major like signed artist, like famous musician to go into a penitentiary and like play a show. Like I love that. Uh, he actually recorded an album. It's called Folsom Prison Blues. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't grow up around a lot of country music, but when I heard this dude, like, I, I, it just it just connected with me, man. I loved it. And he's got several songs and a lot of stuff we can dig into, but I want to I wanna touch on three th uh, three themes and, and three songs in particular of his, and the first theme is going to be this idea uh, that our life is a vapor, right? Our life is a vapor. And, and what that means is, you know, and we'll get into that, but if you've ever made like tea on a, on a stove and you see that mist come up, the mist appears for one second, even the scriptures describe our lives as being like a vapor. Uh, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about contentment, and we're going to talk about resurrection and having peace of mind. And one of my favorite songs that he does, it's, not, it's actually not his song. Yeah, so this, this song is called Satisfied Mind. I'm just going to read it, and we'll jump right into it. It says, how many times... Have you heard someone say, if I had his money, I could do things my way? But little do they know that it's so hard to find one rich man in 10 with a satisfied mind. Once I was waiting in fortune and fame, everything I, that I dreamed of for to get a start in life's game. But suddenly it happened. I lost every dime, but I'm richer by far with a satisfied mind. Money can't buy back your youth when you're old or a friend when you're lonely or a love that's grown cold. The wealthiest person is a pauper at times compared to the man with a satisfied mind. When life has ended, my time has run out. My friends and my loved ones, I'll leave, there's no doubt. But there's one thing for certain. When it comes my time, I'll leave this old world with a satisfied mind. Uh, I love Johnny Cash, man. Like, he just, and, and the way he sings it, like, you gotta, you gotta hear, like, his voice, uh, the way he sings this song. It wasn't his song, uh, but, yeah, it's just a powerful song. And how many of you guys would agree with me, like, 
There's something too when you feel inner peace. Everybody agree with that, right? There's, we've all experienced times in our lives where we had peace when we didn't have peace. And I know what it feels like to feel like you have a, you know, a carnival in your head and chaos in your mind. And, and I've also experienced those moments where, you know, my mind, I had peace, I had harmony in my mind. And, you know, what, 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 is, what does true inner peace really feel like? I think, you know, we could, we could dig into that for an hour, but, you know, I, I like this idea. I like this way it, it describes it in Scripture. It says in Luke, let's just read it here, Luke chapter 17, verse 20 through 21, it says this. And the, the, these religious leaders are talking, they're talking to Jesus, and they're asking him all these questions. Now, they're trying to, like, bait and switch him. They're trying to set him up. They're trying to, you know, they're, they're trying to play him is what they're trying to do. And it says this. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom, of, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see it here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you, right? And so what happens is these religious leaders, these Pharisees, these were the people that like they had all the answers. You know, they, they were like the ones you would go to for the Bible question. You know what I mean? Like these dudes, like it, it, even as far as their culture, like most of them, if you were a Pharisee, you would have literally almost the whole entire Old Testament memorized by the time you were 14. Like it was unbelievable the type of study that these dudes did. So they knew the scriptures. They knew their tradition. And, and really what they're trying to do is they're, they're, trying, they're, trying to, they're trying to test Jesus. They're trying to mess with him. And they're, and they're saying, hey, this whole kingdom of God you're talking about, like, like you know, where, where is it at? You know, when is it going to come? And Jesus said so, something to him where he, he messes with them. He says, hey, man, like... If anyone tells you it's over here or it's over there, like I want you to know that like it's neither like the kingdom of God is within you. And what, what was Jesus saying? What he was saying was that there's going to come a time when even religious communities and leaders will, will buy into this philosophy that somehow that peace, inner peace, right? Uh, it's so it's over here. It's with these people. It's during this time, right? It's when the music is playing, right? I'm not knocking the music. I'm not knocking church. We're, we're having a service right now. Uh, but it's over here. It's at this place with this group of people. If you can just get to this conference, have you ever heard these kind of things? Uh, that it's some, it's some outward location. They might even tell you uh, some things like, man, if you could get a per I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I've heard it. Uh, if you could get a person to come to this meeting, then God would do something amazing. And then look, I, I, hey, I'm sitting up here as a preacher, like we're, we started a church. I'm not knocking the value of church. Like, I think it's important to invite people. But what that does subconsciously is you're subconsciously buying into the idea that somehow God is more present here than he is outside this building. And the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. Uh, You've got to come hear this music, this particular guy talk. Man, this is where it's happening. Now, do I want people to spread the word about what we're doing? Absolutely. Uh, if we can just get them over here. I don't know if you, you remember this, but if you if you have any background in church, uh, you know, there's these things uh, called revivals. I don't know if you've ever heard of these things. Uh, I think some of them, there's some genuine stuff going on. Some of them, it's a little bizarre. Uh, I'm not judging all of it. Some of it, I think, is genuine. But what happens is, is this situation will happen and everyone will start driving to another state or another, you know, people will literally, like, they will mortgage their houses. Like, they will get in their cars. They will sell all their stuff. Like, they'll drive all this way and think, man, if I could just get to that place with that dude, then, like, God would do something amazing. And I think what Jesus says is the exact opposite of that. He's, what he's saying is, hey, man, when people tell you that, like, something more is happening over here, they're missing the whole point. 
really where things are truly happening, they're happening inwardly. And that's really what I think Johnny Cash is talking about. And that's kind of what he's touching on in the song is he's touching on, man, like you could, things could be falling apart outwardly, right? He says, you know, at one point I lost all this money. That really was Johnny Cash's story in his career. Like he had lost everything. He was struggling with addiction. And like the dude was like trying to hold on to God and trying to hold on to Jesus. And he had this realization that, hey, man, like even if I've lost everything, like the kingdom of God is within me. And so if it's within me, then anywhere I go, that thing is present. It's not just with these people during this time when this situation is happening. Does that make sense? It's not to take away from genuine things that are happening. I think God does unique things in unique places. Uh, but what, what can happen is you can develop this subconscious view of the world that God is somehow more present over here with those people. And that's just not true. It's not true for a moment. John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17, it says this. If you love me, show it, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father and he'll provide another friend so that you always have someone with you. The friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him, doesn't know what to look for, but you know him already because he's staying with you and will even be in you. Verse 18, I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back. In just a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I'm alive and you're about to come alive. At that moment, you will know absolutely that I am in my father and you're in me and I in you. Now listen to this. Peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, I give you my peace. Now, I, I, what I want to focus on here is this idea is not, not as the world gives to you, I give you the peace of God. Like what Johnny Cash is talking about, this inner peace, it's, it's so much different than what most people think of when they think of peace in the world. What do most people think of when they think of peace? Well, first thing that comes to my mind is, right, there's no war going on. That's the first thing that we think of is, is uh, military conflict. Uh, for other people, they, they may have a dysfunctional household. And so peace for them means there's no fighting. How do we define peace? Like, is peace the absence of conflict? I was thinking about that. Like, what is peace? Is peace the absence of conflict? You know, I think about the story of Jesus being in the boat with his, with his homeboys, you know, as fishermen. And uh, what happens? It says, that, I'm paraphrasing here, that there was a storm that happened and they were trying to cross over to the other side. And where's Jesus at? Jesus is like chilling in the boat. He's sleeping. You know what I mean? They come to him like, bro, wake up, man, wake up. Like, why are you sleeping? Like, what's happening? Like, why, why don't you, they even say to him, again, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? Can we just acknowledge there's sometimes in life where it just feels like God doesn't care? Can anybody, can anybody here just, I, I've gone through that. As a matter of fact, I've gone through that this last week. Like, we've been going through a lot of stuff financially, stuff with the with with our vehicles, stuff with work. And, man, it's been it's been challenging. And I won't get into the details. But when I – challenging for me is not like, oh, it's just been a little uncomfortable. Like, I grew up in the ghetto on government cheese. So, like, when I say it's challenging, like, it is, like, it is horrific, you know. Amen, Sarah? Can you hear me back there? <laughs> But no, seriously, like it, it, it's it's difficult, and so I've gone. We've all we all, all go through these things where, where where we say that it feels like, man, God doesn't care. And and the thing that I love about Jesus is, he tells him, hey, didn't I tell you you're going to be all right? Didn't I tell you you're going to be all right? But so, what is peace? Is peace the absence of conflict? And I and I shared this thought like I don't know five years ago. I was studying this this same story about Jesus in the boat, and I had this thought, and, and it was this: peace. Real peace, not, not outward peace. Peace is not the absence of a storm. It's the ability to fall asleep in one. And what do I mean by that? What, what do I mean by that? 
peace, when you have inner peace, back to what Johnny Cash is talking about, you have a satisfied mind, you're centered, you're like, you're grounded spiritually, like literally all hell can break loose around you. And like, you know that you're going to be okay. Like, it doesn't mean it's not still going to be hard. Like there's some of these people, and let's be honest, there's some weird people out there. There's some people, maybe you've met a couple of these people. Uh, I, I have throughout my years of traveling and doing speaking and stuff. Uh, you ever meet somebody that's so spiritually minded, you can't have a normal conversation with them? Have you, ever, you ever meet somebody like this? Uh, I mean, their mom just literally died of cancer, and, and, and you, so you're concerned, you know, natural, hey, man, like, how are you doing? Oh, bless the Lord, all things work together for the good. Dude, are you psychologically delusional? Like, you just lost your, like, just relax, bro, like, you know what I mean? So peace is not the absence of, the, of a storm, it's the ability to fall asleep in one did Jesus know that situation was dangerous? Absolutely, but he also knew that there was going to come a time where he was going to sort things out. And we need to ask ourselves, like, how do we define peace? Do we define peace uh, just when, when we got money in the bank? Do we define it when the relationship is working out? Do we define it as, you know, I'm, this person, you know, our family drama's not going on, you know, the work situation is right. How do we define that? Is it, is it the absence of conflict? And I just want to challenge you to, to, to just consider the thought that maybe inner peace, maybe satisfied mind is so much bigger than that. Maybe it's possible, just maybe possible, uh, that we could tap into something, we can tap into a type of peace that surpasses all understanding. And uh, there's actually a Bible verse that talks about that. It says, talks about how God will give us a peace that will surpass all understanding. And, you know, somebody would have told me that after I went through some hard times in life or, or would have told me before that, I would have told them they're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? You know, uh, but I remember being at the lowest point, literally the lowest point in my life. Uh, I was sitting inside juvenile prison. My brother, I just received the news that my brother was murdered. Uh, I was facing at that time at 16 years old, a 45 year prison sentence. And they had put me in solitary confinement because I tried to fight all the other inmates and guards and after they told me about my brother. And I was crushed and I was broken. And like, like I had this encounter with God in that prison cell with nobody preaching to me, nobody sliding tracks under my door, uh, no, no sermon. Like God like just came to me and just did something deep in me. And I remember like I was still broken, right? The storm was still there. My brother was still dead. I, 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 was, I was still broken about that. But I had this like this deep sense of peace. And I'm talking like deep, like I'm 16 years old and I'm facing 45 years in prison. And I just knew that I was going to be okay. And I, you know, I, I accepted, accepted Jesus. I, I gave my life to the Lord. And uh, I remember praying in that, in that space, in that time, God, no matter what happens, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. Uh, powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. One rabbi says it this way. God is peace. His name is peace. And everything is bound in peace. Peace is the seal of all blessings. Because without peace, listen to this, without peace, prosperity, health, food, and drink are worthless. Would you agree, right? There's even, there's all kinds of sarcastic, you know, there's a lot of sarcasm and humor in the Bible. There really is. Like some people read it all stoic and there's times where it's time to be serious when you're reading this or that. But man, there is some sarcasm and humor in the Bible. It talks about all throughout Psalms and Proverbs. Uh, one of, one, there's, there's one funny verse. It describes this idea perfectly. It says, a slice of dry bread in a home with peace is better than a wealthy house filled with strife. Can I give a modern, like, hood version of that? Like, better is a spam sandwich. <laughs> Anybody ever have spam growing up? Some top ramen uh, with peace and love than, you know, filet mignon and you have strife. Uh, some of you guys know I run a residential painting company. And, you know, I go in some big, big houses. We do some mansions. 
And I meet some wonderful wealthy people that, that love people. They're very generous. They're wonderful people. But I also meet some people who uh, they have all this stuff. They have all this outward stuff. But like literally the, in the, 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 their household is just filled with turmoil. Like they've got all this stuff. They've got the food. They've got the drink. They have the prosperity. They've got the health. But there's no peace. And like it, it's palpable. When you walk in there, you can feel it. You can sense it uh, in their house. You can feel it. You can feel it in their house. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'd rather have peace than have stuff. You know, I heard someone describe vacations. I love to travel. It's been a long time since we've done it. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Uh, but I love to travel. One of the reasons I love to travel, I heard someone describe it this way. I would rather have experiences than things. I love that idea. That's what, that's what God's talking about in regards to peace. You can have something that's far, worth far more than silver and gold, right? It's the peace, the peace of God. Uh, now, again, it's easy for us to like turn the scriptures into this religious drudgery. Like, you got to understand the context of, like, that verse that I just read you. Like, this guy was in a specific location when he was writing this verse. Now, this was written by Paul, and he was in prison when he was writing this. Now, the interesting thing about where he was at, he wasn't in a prison like America, and I know because I work in the prisons. I go to the prisons uh, every Tuesday with Sarah, and he was in a first century prison. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole history of it, but first century prisons were crazy, man. Like, they were these subterranean. You ever see those shows like the Doomsday Preppers, like those type of dudes? You ever see that stuff on TV? Like, they're usually like these subterranean things. Like, a first century prison was like, it was essentially a hole that they dug into the, into the ground uh, in first century Israel. They would lower these people into there and they would be chained with stocks, you know, uh, shackles, their first century version of shackles and handcuffs. They would be chained to a wall. Uh, they, they would only have the clothes that they were given and, and everything that they received, uh, everything that they got, if it was their food, their clothing, whatever they received, the prison provided nothing. It provided nothing. So I just want you to imagine this. Like, and in fact, one of these prisons, I think it's called a maritime prison. Yeah, that's that's what it is. That's where he was at. Uh, it was located above like a sewer where they would, now just imagine like the sewer, anybody ever drive through, middle, through Middletown on Route 73? You ever get a whiff of that? You know, uh, it was way worse than that. Like imagine people, you know, dead animals, rotting garbage. I mean, this is this is a whole different world. Their idea of cleanliness was different than ours. You know what I mean? And so it was located like there was a sewer that would go and that stuff would drip down. And this guy is writing about peace in the middle of that, right? He's chained to a wall. Some of them, their clothes would be so worn, uh, they would just turn to dust and crumple. Uh, they had, if, if you ate in there, it was because your family or somebody brought you the stuff from the outside. So it was a tremendously, tremendously dark place. And I, and I want to I suggest this to you. You and I have everything we need right here, right now to be content. You know, all that stuff I told you I was going through last week, like even if some of that stuff never changed, like we literally have everything we have right here, right now to be content. And American pop culture, American consumerism has reprogrammed our minds to tell us that, hey, if you have these things, then you will be sad. You will have a satisfied mind. If you can just get to this or you can just get to that. Let me tell you something. Everything you have is a gift. 
It's so easy. I was praying earlier. It's so easy to forget like all the good. I don't know about you. It's, it's easier for me to forget the good than it is the hard, right? We do this little exercise when we go into the prison sometimes when we're doing the music therapy program. And we ask the people, the men or the women, depending on what prison we're at, we ask them, hey, what's something someone's told you negative that you've never forgotten? And all of them, like immediately, like they can raise their hand. It could be something when you're a child, when you're, you know, an adolescent. Like what's, like immediately, you know, all the hands go up. And then I'll ask the following question. What's something positive that someone has said to you that you've never forgotten? And probably half the hands go up. Would you agree it's easier to remember the negative than it is the positive? There's this powerful thing they used to do in the Old Testament thousands of years ago, and I think we need to get back to this, was they used to build monuments. They used to build what's called altars, and they would take like these ancient stones and they would stack them. And it was like a reminder of like, hey, man, like we just got through that sea. Like those people were had us like as slaves. They were making us uh, build bricks out of straw. <laughs> like it was insanity. Like, we, bro, we made it out of that. Like, let's not forget it. And so they would build, they would take rocks, they would build this and build that. And so next time they're traveling, they're going through that land, they're reminded, boom. Hey, man, I'm going to be okay. God is good. God has came through before. I don't know about you, but that's helpful to me to have those things. Do that throughout your house. Do that throughout. Put something in your car to remind you of something horrible that you got through. It'll help you, man. It'll help you out. Everything you have is a gift. Your breath, your life, your family, it's all a gift. Every good thing you've ever experienced is just, it's, it's an incredible gift. Now, I want you to do something with me. I want everybody here just to take a deep breath. Just Your breath. The fact that we're alive is a gift. It's one of the easiest gifts to forget. I think when we stop breathing, acknowledge the gifts all around us, it changes everything. Uh, some people, they view that the world is hostile towards them. Some people have this worldview that, the, the, that this world is an inherently bad place, uh, especially if you watch CNN or Fox all day. Let me just let me just let me just give you some wisdom here. Like, don't spend your life consuming news. Like, it will destroy your faith. I'm not saying don't be aware of what's going on. I want to be aware of what's going on. Doses, man, doses. You know. But seriously, like, you know, if you give into that stuff, especially some of the drama on social media too, like all that stuff. Like, if you feed that stuff to yourself all the time, you can start to believe that the world is inherently a bad place. But that's not what the scriptures teach. Yeah, there's some things that have gone awry. The, 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 the universe has been fractured from what happened at the beginning, right? But at the very beginning, God's very intention, man, the world was a good place, and it's still a good place. Uh, some people view God this way. Some people view God that God is inherently hostile towards them, right? That he, And it's not even that they don't believe in God. It's like, yeah, he might do that for that dude over there, but I, I don't know about me, man. Like, I could believe that for you, bro, but I, I don't know about me. Uh, maybe you've struggled with that. Uh, some people view that view God like he's holding out, like he's punishing them uh, for something that happened years ago. 